Hello, this is uh, Rudy Giuliani, and we are um, live with a special, and the special is going to be on the uh, election of 2024, which is fast upon us, meaning uh, coming up very, very soon within two weeks. And I know that all of you, I am sure all of you, are quite anxious about it. and. Uh, the people who listen to shows like this, uh, you probably don't you, you don't do that unless you have a great interest in um, you have a great interest in um, in politics and a great interest in the things that are go- that are going on in politics. So um, I am going to make one more connection when Ted gets back, so that where. Um, Connecting with all the people that we're that we're uh, going to be discussing things with, but I thought I would start uh, by I thought I would discuss I thought I would start with um, the twenty twenty two election. So I've got to make sure that our lights are on. And I have the right, um, I have the right connection to the, right from there, so that everybody can hear, we want to make sure that everybody gets to hear this. Don't we? I think we do. We want to make sure that everybody gets to hear this, that's listening in, because we're trying to provoke you to get involved in this discussion, because that's how we learn things. So <clears throat> we're in a week. Um, we're in a week in which we've we had several very very crucial debates. I would say the two <clears throat> would be in in the following order of importance. Uh, order of importance number one uh, would be the debate between Fetterman and Oz largely because it had so much national interest driven by Fetterman's condition. Uh, The second would be uh, the debate between governor, or should she be called interim governor? Probably not. That's not fair. Uh, She is actually by law the governor, but she's not the elected governor. She was Andrew Cuomo's, Lieutenant Governor, which you would think in most states would be a liability for her, Governor driven out in scandal. Second Democrat Governor in a row driven out in scandal. 20 years of Democratic governors, and I could go through the record for you, um, highest tax state in the country, the state with the largest number of people leaving. Uh, one of the states that people least want to live in because of the cost of living. Um, a state with an epidemic of crime. Uh, at one time, when there was crime, it was pretty much confined to New York City. But now the city with the most crime is way, way up in the north of the state, which is the city of Rochester. So that, uh, without any question, that um, that makes that makes certain 
that what we're dealing with is a very, very serious situation. So for those of us who are joining us now, uh, welcome to uh, my uh, call-in show. And you will uh, be able to uh, call in as uh, soon uh, as, uh, as you want. But I am going to begin a, a, a discussion of crime. And first, let's set the groundwork. From approximately 1990, well, in New York from 1994, in the United States from 1996, crime began to decline. If I use my own city, which clearly, without any doubt, was the leading city for crime reduction, it was the first to do it, and by far had the strongest and most consistent numbers that lasted the longer. Um, it began in 1994. And from 1994 until 2020, uh, the year in which I think uh, law and order ended in this country, um, crime continuously declined uh, in New York. And then after a while, in many, many other places. Many reasons for it. But a lot of the reasons for it, 80, 90 percent, was much stricter application of the law in New York based on programs that uh, we initiated, meaning uh, my administration and the Bloomberg administration carried on and enhanced. Uh, In the rest of the country, and also the benefits that we got from state and federal legislation, rest of the country, a similar uh, uh, group of local actions that were very effective. But in the rest of the country, the federal government played probably a stronger role. And the crime bill of 1994, after about two years, was a major player in that. That's a bill that was passed by bipartisan support. It has now been bitterly abandoned by uh, Biden and uh, Schumer, who played very, very big roles with me in passing the bill. Uh, So I speak for my city to some extent now for the United States. I mean, once been a city of very high crime and a city that was considered the crime capital, a city people wouldn't come to because there was too much crime. It was a losing population. Uh, we went below 8 million for the first time in a very, very long time. Our Broadway attendance went down by 40, 50, 60 percent. People were giving people uh, who wanted to come to New York uh, instructions on how not to be the victim of a crime. and. Um, what happened very simply is uh, we came in with a massive crime program that included things that now are familiar to you but weren't then, the, the broken windows theory, a theory of uh, Dr. James Q. Wilson from, from Harvard, um, the ComStat program, which was statistical, very, very intense statistical analysis of crime as the basis for making strategic decisions about crime. Uh, the, the application of specific programs for specific kinds of crimes over the course of eight years, I'd say 12 different strategies, uh, specific strategy for domestic violence, which is very, very different than auto theft, uh, which had a specific strategy, a specific strategy for the muggings that took place on Times Square, 
which uh, were different than muggings that took place elsewhere, given the way in which they were performed. Uh, the overall problem of drugs, which permeated the city and contributed to probably 30% or more of the, uh, I'm sorry, 70% or more of the crime problem. So those started in 94. Even by, even by late 94 and early 95, they began to show uh, its effect. It, it was a massive reduction in the number of people that we called squeegee operators. Squeegee operators were people who walked into traffic and, and uh, offered at first to do your windows and then extorted you to do the windows and maybe would break them or slash the tires. Or, that had become over a period of about a 15 or 20 years of tolerance which is a perfect application of the broken windows theory, it had gone from a, just an annoying, maybe even charming in some ways, because young children would do it, activity to an activity taken over by mainly career criminals, who, when they didn't get what they wanted, did damage to you. So that was our first mission to get rid of them, just really, really for symbolic purposes and also to put the broken windows theory to the test. And uh, which is that you got to pay attention to small things, not just big things. And the small things will have an impact on the big, on the big, on the bigger things. So we did that. And crime went down. Crime went down dramatically. I could go into much more detail about that. And then we come to 2020. Now, how does that change things nationwide? Uh, 2020 was a um, was an instruction, an encouragement, an enablement, a direction, an example uh, that was widely circulated. If it were a movie, it would have been maybe you know one of the biggest movies, if not the biggest of all time. It played itself out on national television at a time when people didn't have much to do uh, and watching of television was one of the few things they could do when they were locked in their homes, rightly or wrongly. And what they observed from the time of the George Floyd uh, murder through um, 2020 into 2021, particularly in 2020, was hundreds of violent protests disguised as you know, not really violent, brought about by two anarchistic, anarchist groups, one a communist group, probably the other also, but one acknowledges a communist group, Black Lives Matter, and a group dedicated to the killing of police officers, hence the, 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 the invocation at every one of their protests. And they claim they have peaceful protests. I've yet to see one. But even at their, if they do have peaceful protests, every protest they're at, they, they will say, you know, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, which is, and then more direct things, but those are, that's an invocation to killing police officers. Uh, there must have been four, five, six hundred of these riots, some of them really major. Uh, they count 26 people dead just as a result of the riots. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the hospital, tens of thousands of people in the hospital. More than that, injured, police officers injured, police officers dead, damage in the billions of dollars, much of it to small business, much of it to minority business. All of that's terrible. All of that we've witnessed before. 
But here's what we witnessed in 2020 that changed the psyche of the American criminal. We witnessed uh, large-scale invasions of stores, big and small. We watched lawless criminals uh, take out the items in those stores in a violent way. And instead of watching what we normally would expect, the interruption of that, or not, it's not all of it, some of it by the police, what we witnessed instead was the police observing it. Back usually across the street, not getting involved and letting them take everything out of Macy's they wanted to take, or everything out of the shoe store they wanted to take, or everything they wanted to take. So that becomes a... Um, those are basically happening, a lot of them during the hours of the prime time soap operas and the dramas on television at night. It became a routine. To the average honest American, it was uh, just plain shocking. But to those inclined toward crime, it was a great lesson. It was an invitation to go do the same thing. Now, if you watch the if you watch the, uh, uh, the, the retail invasions that go on, small or large, in um, Los Angeles has had m- m- probably the most, but we've had some in New York. Those are almost direct replicas of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots that were not condemned by the then presidential candidate of the Democrat Party, not condemned by any Democrat, um, tacitly really. Um, defended as necessary because the violation of civil rights was so great. The theory was that the murder of George Floyd was so horrendous that it entitled you to destroy uh, entire cities uh, of innocent people. That, you know, my goodness, you couldn't contain yourself as a result of the death of this great man in such a horrible way. And therefore, people were going to uh, people were going to destroy other people's property. They were going to beat other people to the point of death. They're going to shoot and kill other people. They're going to burn buildings. They're going to set up their own cities. They were going to relentlessly attack almost everything about America. They were going to attack uh, outside those regions. Uh, and, and, um, and the police were expected to allow it because, after all, it should be understood. Uh, finally, it, uh, it was even worse since this was the, the, the summer of the pandemic and everybody else was locked up inside, having to wear masks if they were outside, not being allowed to go into large protests, not being allowed to go to church because they'd be too close to people. Yet the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa people would march in the thousands and thousands holding hands, linking arms. You could see them kissing. You could see them spitting each other's face. You could see themselves in very close proximity, most often without masks on, but sometimes with masks on doing all the things that Dr. Fauci had told us were prohibited. And Dr. Fauci, who has since proven to be a scoundrel, uh, was um, defending it. And uh, and absurd uh, Democrat governors were saying, well, they're marching for civil rights as if that's a, uh, a cure for COVID. See, if you march, if you, if you march because, uh, the prices in the grocery store have gone up too much. You'll get cold. But if you march uh, 
because somebody was killed in Minnesota and you don't like the way they were killed uh, and you um, destroy property because you're entitled to, because that's what looked that way, and you steal property because you are entitled to, well, then you're not going to get COVID. So among, among other things, not only did it breed a sense of entire and complete disrespect for the law, but it also um, created a whole distortion of science to the point of insanity, really. So that unleashes the next year, 21, in which approximately 17 cities set records for crime. Now, it's not by accident. The cities are almost all, if not all, governed by Democrat mayors who were supportive of those tactics. And many of them are the very mayors that allowed them to happen. Um, many of those cities had district attorneys that were elected uh, with the intervention, the multimillion of George Soros. And they, they were anti-intervention, uh, anti-district attorneys. In other words, they were district attorneys who were put there to undermine the system of justice. They released criminals, large numbers of criminals, before George Floyd and then after George Floyd. Mayor like a, ma- a mayor, sometimes a combination of a mayor and uh, a district attorney, like in Philadelphia, which sets, has now setting a record for the most murders in its history. So all this exists now, and this 2022 election takes place in the middle of that. So the the number one issue is crime in much of America. Now we take another step. What's the other issue? The other issue is the economy and the fact that uh, every day that someone buys something, they're paying more for it. doesn't matter if they're buying a few little things or a lot of things, they're paying more for it. If they are uh, head of the household and do the, do the shopping for, uh, for, the, for, the, for the food, they're paying bills that are considerably you know, higher than they have been uh, over the past um, Oh, my goodness. To see something like this, you got to go back 40 years. They would have no recollection of a time where there was inflation of 8, 9, 10, 12%. Uh, I would because I'm a lot older. Goes goes back to Jimmy Carter, actually, and solved by Ronald Reagan. This one will have to be solved by a Republican president because all that, um, all that Joe Biden's going to do about is add to the spending. And um, when asked what to do about it, uh, Mr. Fetterman, who wants to be the senator from uh, Pennsylvania, but doesn't seem to be able to speak, said, what, what are you going, he was asked directly, what are you going to do about, what are you do about inflation? And what he said was more. Uh, he didn't say uh, any specific, like more of More of what? More, more release of and more, more, more release of the uh, strategic reserve. So we have none in case there's an attack or an emergency. That's pretty irresponsible to do, but he's done that. So, so he gave no strategy. Uh, or she, uh, yes, Fetterman gave no strategy. He just said more. So. Until a few weeks ago, 
because of the intervention of the of the of the uh, issue of of abortion with the uh, overturning of the Roe against Wade decision, in which let's and let's be specific here, so we 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 describe the opinion accurately and and not feed into hysteria. The decision did not ban Roe against Wade. The decision left the the the, the um, ultimate architects of what should be done about abortion to the state legislatures uh, because um, it was considered that this was traditionally within our separation of powers, which includes the separation of powers between the federal government and the state. This was a matter for local determination. When that happened, the Democrats um, put a little spin on it to they're outlawing abortion. Well, there's nothing in that decision that outlaws abortion. So they struck a middle ground. They didn't outlaw it. They didn't mandate. They left it up to the brilliant democracy of this country to determine in different places will there be different ways of approaching this. Uh, For quite some time, however, that was drowned out. And the Democrat version, spin, if you will, on it prevailed, which is those terrible Democrats have taken a right away from women. But as things calmed down and as it was uh, probably over-argued, the actual nature of it uh, sort of revealed itself more. And what it was was an opportunity for the states to fashion what fit the the, 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 the morality and the uh, decency of the particular states involved from uh, restrictions of 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 weeks, in other words, you have to have your abortion ban in order to have to things like in New York, where you can abort a child the moment before it's born, and there is a question as to whether or not there's a certain grace period should a child uh, 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 be born despite an abortion? In other words, they try the abortion, but the, but the child lives. Uh, there are there are significant number of advocates on the Democrat side that believe that you can still call that an abortion, even though that that is quite plainly uh, first degree murder. You're destroying the child. In fact, over the course of the last three months, I'm sure in the womb, you're basically uh, uh, murdering the baby. It's no longer a fetus, it's a baby, and you crush its skull and then dispose of its body parts. It's a barbaric thing to do, which makes one wonder, since we do it so often now, what has it done to the soul of this nation? Is it one of the reasons why this nation seems to have trouble adhering to a set of values and to a a common uh, understanding of morality on the most basic things of all life and death and the responsibility of children. So that issue, that issue is not one that's going to get decided in this election. It's going to get played out in the state legislatures that exist. And it's probably going to get played out over the next two or three elections. But two things are paramount, forced on us in this election. You can think about abortion only. Or it's 10% more. You can think about abortion all you want, and 
what you're hearing about is uh, your children being unsafe going to school or or another issue that's emerged quite dramatically with big, big division between the two political parties and almost everyone running on either side. Who really gets to decide how the child is educated, the parent or the government bureaucrat? Democrats are clearly in favor of the government bureaucrat doing it and taking it away from the parent. And the Demo- and Republicans are equally as vehement that it has to be the parent following the American model. I will have to say that the Democrat model comes directly from Karl Marx. That's precisely how he wanted a child educated by the state. And he's come pretty close now to achieving that, where the child mandatorily is uh, educated by the state. And uh, that has gone as far as allowing teachers and administrators and health personnel in the schools to advise a child that although they're dressed as and think they're a boy, they might very well be a girl. And if the child gets um, enough into that, the child can make the uh, unreviewable decision by the parent, unknown to the parent, to mutilate themselves. Uh, I do not have uh, I do not have a better way to describe it than that. I know there will be people that say that it's unfair, that it isn't mutilation, but to chop off one of your private parts is, is mutilation. It may be for the purpose of turning yourself into a but it's mutilation. Removement of a body part is mutilation. The, 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 the tragedy of this is removed from an impressionable, many of them have had terrible consequences as a result of this, having done irreparable things like that, only to find themselves wanting to be members of the sex they started. And this is a battle in this election. Make, make no mistake about it. Democrats are very, 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 very. Um, driven to the government decides approach. And Republicans are very, 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 very driven to the parents decide approach. And uh, that's a decision you're going to get to make probably in every one of these elections. Because uh, even if uh, your Democrat, your local Democrat, should agree with more of a, you get to decide a viewpoint, the majority of the party has already said that that is not their position. And uh, your 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 um, wonderful representative is not going to be able to vote his will, and you're going to end up supporting a vote like that, whether you like it or not, if you vote for a Republican. So this is something that has to be considered very, very carefully. So I think we will at this point take a short break. We'll be back in two minutes. And uh, we hope to hear from you. Thank you.
Rudy Giuliani back uh, with you. I'll call the mayor. And um, the I, I urge you to call us and uh, ask us about these elections. We're going to go through three of them, but you may want us to go through another one. I'm going to go through the three that resulted in the uh, uh, debates this week or the most prominent debates. The call number is 888-627-6008. That's 888-627-008. And it's also 324-724-4851. 888-627-6008. That is the call-in number. So, so now that we've we've, we've uh, sort of outlined the um, the the sort of lay of the land in this election, and and the major issues being crime, the economy, and abortion, could also say open border and drugs, but. I think we've outlined the main ones. So now let's look at individual races. The overall generic ballot, when you ask, are you going to vote for a Republican or Democrat? And this usually relates to the Congress, not necessarily um, the gubernatorial races, but they may. They may. And they are, there are significant gubernatorial races going on, like the one in New York, like the one in Florida. Uh, now it's a uh, 49-44 split in favor of Republicans. That is very, very rare. Republicans usually do not do well in these uh, uh, matchups. Even when they win rather large victories in the House and Senate, as they did in uh, 2010, for example, they were either even or behind in the generic ballot. And the same was true when when the uh, uh, Newt Gingrich revolution took place. So I don't know what to make. So I don't know what to make of the four-point lead. I don't know if what you make of that is it's going to be a big landslide because when they were down by two or four, they won by a big landslide in 10. Or is there something wrong or have the polls become more accurate or who knows? But in any event, it does look like the election is in the House very strongly for the Republicans. And in the Senate, even to now kind of tipping toward the Republicans. Critical because either the policies and programs of the Biden administration are going to continue unabated, or they're going to be interrupted by the check and balance of a a Republican uh, majority, which can put a uh, which 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 can bring to an end you know, a lot of what is going on, particularly with the economy. Uh, I mean, all the bills that have driven us into inflation were passed by you know basically one vote in most cases, Harris's vote. Um, so we have Rob with us again on. Rob, are you with us? Yep. You were. Yes, yes, I am, Rudy. I'm here. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. So what's what's going on? 
Excellent, excellent. Well, my, I've even made notes today. My, you know, uh, last time when we were on, I know you had asked me to. You, you had said tell tell you a little bit about me, and then I didn't really do that very proficiently, according to my cousin Vinny, who I <laughs> he said you didn't even tell him uh-huh. anything. So, so let, I'll I'll go through quick. I, you know, born in Maspeth, Queens, then lived in Woodhaven. I'm sure you're familiar with all those areas, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Then we moved out to Eastern Long Island. I, I grew up in East Patchogue. I became mechanically proficient as I as I raced motocross and uh, was an avid skier. I am a proficient electrician, plumber, carpenter, welder, and machine operator. I worked for an inventor. We uh, when we moved to New Jersey on an experimental combustion yeah. engine for a company called Murray United. And so uh, that that's you know and that was all before I went into the family business for the ha- hair salon business. I actually invented my own combustion engine as well, which I, um, you know, it shell. How did you, how I, did I, you I, become so interested in politics? In in politics, well, you're you're uh, breaking up a bit. But how did you become so interested in politics? Well, I think. Um, Obviously, I was an interest and a knowledge of politics. Well, I just was wondering, yeah. you know, what it is that made you so interested in politics. Well, you know, it's almost I, I, I kind of found myself. I got I think I got dragged into it by um, an, an inherent interest in how all things work in the world. And human psychology seems to be where I'm most of my interest and time and efforts seem to be devoted toward, you know, the understanding of human psychology as, as I'm watching our country be destroyed. It's almost the, you know, the necessity of invention, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So I kind of, I just found myself being, uh, gravitating toward all of these mechanisms that, uh, make the world go around. And then, and then you're a big part of that because, uh, you're one of the, the uh, in my opinion, the most sane voice, really, on, on these matters. It, it, you know, there's a lot of voices, and a lot of people have a lot of good things to say, but there's something about your way of understanding the world, because after all, look what you've, you've done. You know, you've, you've been there. You've ran the biggest city in the world, and so it's, and then I saw I find myself gravitating to you, you know, in, 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 the, in the course of it all, you know. And uh, given the fact that you have been observing things, you know, a lot more carefully than most people, given the nature of the opinions that you have and knowledge you have, (laughs) is this the worst you've ever seen it? Absolutely. I think this is the worst that everybody. In your lifetime. I mean, we didn't we didn't we didn't live during the Depression or 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 the Second World War. I don't think you're not you're younger than me, I assume. But um uh, so let's you know. So we put aside the depression and the Second World War, and uh, this is, uh, since then this has got to be the worst condition America's been in. Well, there's there's no doubt about it. And 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 my family, my you know my uncles, my mom, and my uncles, they they they, my grandparents, they escaped Germany back in the day when things were getting hot and heavy. You know, so a lot of that bleeds down, I guess, through the family. You know, um, sure. When I when I yeah. And then um, I, I do remember the 1970s. I remember Cotter was a disaster for the country. I remember standing online to get gas, whether your license plate ended <laughs> with too. an odd or an even number. Remember that? I, of course I do. Yeah. Yeah. Of course I and do. So I, I find it all very fascinating. And, and 
you know, and so I do have a, an observation about uh, that, that, that um, is predicated on, once again, the, the fascinating aspect of human psychology, how, how they're lending themselves to this, this, this insane asylum that's become our country. And so, you know, what I noticed, Rudy, is that for the most part, and it's funny how you should bring that up. It's like I wrote, I'm reading off of something I wrote right now, which is almost tantamount to what you just asked me. And I, I'm about to say, for most of our lives, our, meaning you and me, right, yeah. our lives, political, political candidates running for higher office, mayors of large cities, state governors, and, of course, presidential candidates, they were merit-based professionals for the most part, and in many cases they go on to be presidential. And that's what we kind of come to understand was our political system, you know, for the better or worse, it usually was, that was a good framing of what you would expect. Then we come to the era of feckless. And then you have the nutcases like Pelosi, Liz Cheney, AOC, Adam Schiff, Hillary Clinton, Jerry Nadler, de Blasio, now Adams. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's still a scintilla of professionalism in those people, even though they're reprobates, to be sure. Then you graduate to the days where now you have Hocus Pocus Hokel, Carmel Pudding for Brains Harris, Lori Beetlejuice Lightfoot, Fetterman, who looks straight... <laughs> <laughs> Fetterman, who looks, who looks straight out of the... It's not funny, but he is funny. It, I know, I know, I know what you mean. And then you got Fetterman, right, who, who looks straight out of the cast and characters of Young Frankenstein, not not to be outdone by the big man himself, as Tony Bobolinsky puts it, you know, a.k.a. Joe Biden, all of which appear to be on some kind of psychological spectrum. These people are not normal human beings. There's something actually cockeyed about their existence, you know. And then, so so the, what, are, what are we going to get by the 1930s? Oh, uh, the Dems are going to come out and place a Petri dish on the podium, and uh, and the candidates would be amoeba and paramecium. And then after the debate, the totalitarian media pundits will explain that you have to understand that amoebas and paramecium communicate through vibration and frequencies, and they're actually very intelligent. <laughs> you know, where do we go? How much? I don't. I don't. I don't exactly know how it has happened to us that we are now with the candidates of the absurd. I mean, the candidate. I mean, some of the candidates are beyond. I mean, a num- number of people, number of people, meaning seven or eight people, have said to me that they have never not only seen a worse debate than Fetterman's, they've never even contemplated that there could be one that was that yes. bad. And they've seen yes. people that get nervous. They've seen people that make mistakes. They've seen people that uh, kind of self-destruct to some extent by saying stupid things. But they've never seen anyone that honestly look like they were on some other planet it looked like it looked like he was he i mean when you when you watched it half of it looked like a halloween show yeah i i I he begins the show he begins the show i don't know how lee didn't laugh maybe he didn't pick it up saying good night say good night yeah hi everyone (laughs) good night Okay, go back to the nut house. I mean, I don't know uh, if he has if he has brain damage from uh, from a stroke. Now, I have had a number of friends who have had that, and I just had myself stents put in for a different reason. 
But the last thing in the world you want him to do with a stroke is in the year or two years recovering from that stroke to be in a stressful job. Yeah, now, here he is. I mean, it's almost like you want to kill him. It's yeah, like, it's well, let's put him, you know, let's put him in the most stressful job possible, the United States Senate, <laughs> at a time in which our country's in crisis. <laughs> when the Senate is about as stressful as it, as it ever has been in its history, about as nasty as it's ever been in the history, the collegiality doesn't mm-hmm. even exist. The 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 the, the, the uh, collegiality doesn't even exist anymore. I mean, there was a time when it might have even been pleasant to be in the Senate. I don't know if the House was ever pleasant, but I think there were er- there have been eras in which the Democrats and the Repu- there was even a complaint sometimes they got along too well. <laughs> now, 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 I think uh, they look at each other and say that the re- the rhetoric of the other side might cause their assassination. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And you take it, a guy who's got a stroke and you put him in there. Wow. Well, I got it, another call. I, I, I got it, another it's call. It, it, okay, it, I just wanted to tell you it, it's unbelievable how much you think how how much we think alike because. I, I, I've literally said to people with Reese today that do they believe do they understand that they are witnessing a revolutionary, a, a, a historical moment? Never has there been a person that stupid in a debate. I mean, it literally is almost—it's it, unbelievable that that they would even yeah, put I, this I guy would out say, there. I would say, I would say, even in his current condition, because Biden is far worse than he was than when he debated uh, Trump. I wonder how he would debate now. But I think Biden is a little better. But I mean, look look at Biden the other day, uh, thinking that Congresswoman was alive or walking in the wrong direction or thinking that Kamala Harris is calling Kamala Harris the president after all this time. Well, it depends on what kind of drugs they have them on. If they have them, if they're catching yeah, them I, on the I think that's the correct. I think that's correct, my friend. I do. Well, we'll, we'll talk yeah. very soon. Okay. Yes, sir. You yes. be well. You be I, well. I love you, Julie. I, I love you, Rudy. I, I, I'll talk to you Thank soon. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Now we have another caller. Hello? Mayor, thanks for uh, having Jimmy? me on. Uh, long. T- can you hear me, Mayor? I can. I can hear you nice and clear, Jimmy. Thank, thank you, Mayor. Uh, I want to talk about the, the issue of crime. Of course, you did such a fantastic job in the city of New York, whether it was cleaning up the streets, uh, fixing corrupt city government, locking up the mob. In your opinion, how have why have Democrats uh, gone so anti-police, and why have they been defending stone-cold criminals, allowing them out of jail? In your mind, is this a mistake on their part? Do they see something I don't see? How are they able to embrace this sort of uh, policy and expect to win any elections? It's a fabulous question, really, and uh, critical to the crime problem that we have, because unlike the other crime problems of the past, and this is one that's absolutely caused by their programs and their policies and their choices. In other words, You know, sometimes when you have a crime epidemic, the big and important thing to figure out is what's causing it, because if you don't figure out what's causing it, you can't solve it, right? 
just like a, like a disease. You can't solve a disease until you figure out what's causing it. This is being caused by their policies and programs, by their progressive crime program, which was embraced up until a few years ago only by a portion of their party. And I would say the minority portion, the more left-wing portion of their party. People strangely like Biden, Manchin, Schumer, uh, were very strong anti-crime Democrats. Uh, This is the oddest thing, but the key to a lot of the changes in the 1990s was the crime bill of 1994, which really is not an original document. It goes back to the report of James Q. Wilson and Governor Thompson to Attorney General William French Smith in 1981 on what to do about violent crime. And almost everything in that bill was contained in that report. Things that you hear about, like the broken windows theory, they all come out of that report. So uh, there was a very strong portion of the Democrat Party that was willing to be tough on crime. And think about it. A lot of the Democratic constituents are the victims of crime. In fact, when you consider that you know, like in, in, in the cities where these murders take place, which have fairly large black populations, it runs from 70 to 80 percent black victimization. So when I tell you that 10 people were killed or shot and uh, 10 people were. Something has happened where not that these uh, crazy people uh, aren't espousing what they've been espousing for years. They've always had a crazy element, pro-criminal, deal with crime by just letting criminals out of jail. Uh, But there was a fight about it in the Democrat Party. My predecessor, Ed Koch, would constantly be criticizing liberal Democrat judges for releasing criminals when they did have the power to hold them on bail and didn't. Remember, there was a judge in New York called Cut Him Loose Bruce. And every time he would cut somebody loose, the mayor would have a press conference. Or then when he would focus on others, he'd have a press conference. And they would criticize him for interfering with the judiciary. And he would say, there's a... As far as I remember, this country has a First Amendment right. It's my job to protect the public. In good conscience, I think these people are getting people murdered with their irresponsible liberalism. So the liberal philosophy, left-wing philosophy, has always been too tolerant of crime. And starting with the Warren Court, built up enormous, enormous guarantees for criminals to a large extent by distorting our Constitution. So that by the time you get to the big crime era of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, criminals were like, uh, criminals had so many rights that a criminal trial was like a maze. You could so easily screw up and the criminal would be back out on the street. Victims weren't considered at all. Nobody wanted to hear from the victim. So when a, when a, when a person had to be defended, a, a, a sentence. The only one that would stand up would be 
the, the prosecutor and then the lawyer for, for the defendant and say all the terrible things that happened to this poor person. And, you know, they didn't have a father and they were very poor. And that's why they kill five people. None of the five people's family were allowed to stand up. Might get the judge too angry. But the, what I'm trying to say to you is all the basis was on let's be fair to the criminal. Let's be fair. Now, I came out of the Democrat Party. One of the, that's one of the main reasons I left the Democratic Party way back in the 70s. Uh, it's always been the more cro- criminal party. It's always wanted criminals to vote. And I'm sure if you looked, criminals vote for them 70 or 80 uh, percent. But now it's become entirely that way. Nobody will stand up to the wackos like Fetterman who wanted to release a third of the prisoners, just like any third. He wanted to release people for second-degree murder because he didn't think it was as serious as first-degree murder. Did you ever contemplate that maybe there was something wrong with Fetterman even before? And he took some pretty wacky positions. Uh, someone described him as like infantile positions to impress people. Guy's got a strange background, right? He's never worked a day in his life. He's had two government jobs where he doesn't show up very much. He has lived with his parents until he was 50. And they support him because they're very wealthy. And then he got married. And I'm not going to say anything about his wife, but you go read about it. And I think he may still live with his parents. And they still support him. This is not like the kind of guy you... a self-made man. This is like I, someone discovered as a man-child. And then, of course, he, 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 he rides around and dresses like, I don't know, he's some kind of a freaky wrestler or a character in a horror movie or suddenly doesn't walk around dressed like a responsible adult. Now, you know, you can dress any way you want, but I I also have the right to make conclusions about your level of maturity when you take the positions that you take and say that, you know, second degree murderers should be released and that you should defund the police. That's either a a, a deliberately uh, anarchistic position to support the movement of this country to a one world uh, dominance or communist dominance. Or, or uh, you just you're just you're a criminal yourself, or you're stupid. And then when you look at the glaring inconsistencies that he couldn't address, I mean, until he's able to address them, nobody should. Be, if, if he can't explain how two years ago he was vehemently anti-fracking, now he's dramatically pro-fracking. And I don't know if he was able to answer that question. He just kept repeating the same thing. The woman twice showed him his prior quote. And the second time, she said, I'd like you to square this. And he just repeated the second time. It sounded like a, like a child who was taught for kindergarten to recite. But he took about, it seemed like an hour to remember it. A big, long pause. And then he says, I'm for fracking. I'm for fracking. I am. I'm for fracking. I'm for fracking. 
But of course, two years before, he said that fracking was the worst thing in the world. Same thing with socialized medicine. Three years ago, he said that Bernie, Bernie Sanders' approach to single payer, which is the best kind of socialized medicine, was the best thing for America. Now he tells us he's against socialized medicine. But he goes beyond that. He says, I've always been against it. He hasn't always been against it. So what are those two things? Are they, is he a liar? I mean, he was before. He got caught in lies before. He had the stroke. Uh, so maybe there are other problems here. And given some of his behavior, like taking the gun out and threatening the black man, obviously a totally innocent man. Imagine if he was a Republican that did that. Wow. Takes a gun and puts it in the guy's belly. With those crazy looking eyes. I mean, I, I don't know. It would be unbelievably discouraging if they were able to sell this to the people of Pennsylvania the way they sold Biden to America. I mean, we now have a president that's a complete broken down old fool who's lost the lives of Americans because it was irresponsible decision making. And we got a, a bunch of people who don't really give a damn about America, just care about their own preferment position and power because they won't they won't report that he cannot carry out the duties of president of the United States. Those aren't patriots. Those are just the opposite of patriots. Well, I think we've run out of time for this show. We're going to be on, oh gosh, just in about two minutes, which we're going to devote it to doing the best we can to get you to call us. If you don't call us, I'm going to ask myself questions. Okay. All right. So we'll be, <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back uh, with our call in call-in show uh it'll 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 continue on the theme of of the of the 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 election but feel free even with the the prior show feel free to call in on any of the subjects where you want information or you have observations the purpose of this show is to contribute in some small way to the preservation of free speech which is in jeopardy in this country under Joseph Robinette Biden. Thank you. Good night. Talk to you next Thursday on this show, and we'll talk to you in a few minutes on the uh, Call the Mayor show. This is Rudy Giuliani. God bless America.